The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome to 2022 right here on Kai FM and Tech Talk is back with all the latest gizmos, gadgets, you name it, we got it. Um, conversations around all the leading tech trends and 2022 is shaping to be one of the big ones, I think. I think there's a lot of changes coming, a lot of consolidation of technologies that sort of bubbled up and filtered through. And I'm not going to talk about the new normal. Everyone talks about the new normal. But simply put, change is happening. Change today globally is driven by technology. And the benefits of, you know, greater service, smarter service, easier access, more communication, more access to content, product, and other things that we want, and a true revolution in how services are delivered, how work is performed, and how work is delivered is definitely one of the hot topics that are coming. And this is a bit of a special show, and I must tell you, I have serious FOMO. January of every year is CES time. CES, the good old consumer electronics show, has been running for over 50 years. It has always been the place where the crazy, the new, the completely bizarre, and a whole huge ton of vaporware, as they call it, or ghost products, hit the streets in Las Vegas for five days of technology insanity. And as much as I would have loved to be there, well, we live in a crazy world, a world where people ban you, unban you, block you, quarantine you, stop you, doesn't matter what, at the drop of a of a hat. You know, one minute you're all cool, next minute you're locked out. So probably the same thing to do is not to go to Las Vegas. And CES this year was planned to be a reawakening, a reopening, a live event to reignite the love of live mad events. And Omicron sort of put out a lot of that flame. Yet the event went ahead. We definitely are seeing a massive uptick in in people attending live events. Everyone had to be fully vaccinated. Everything was apparently clean and sorted. We'll see what the true fallout is. But the fact is the event went ahead with a whole host of tech that came out. And we're going to spend a good chunk of the show today talking about all the latest news, views, excitement, and the latest gizmos and gadgets coming out of CES. But before we do that, we have to look at some craziness that always ensues in South Africa. The good news towards the end of 2021 was that finally ICASA was going to auction the necessary spectrum to give us full 5G access in South Africa. There was a huge hoo-ha around the withdrawal of the emergency spectrum that was given to the networks over COVID time because everyone moved home and started using mobile for data, so they needed additional spectrum. A lot of the networks, Vodacom, not Vodacom, MTN and uh, Vodacom, sorry, not Telcom, rolled out 5G using some of that spectrum. So 5G, although it's not ubiquitous in South Africa, certainly is fairly widely available 
in um, the urban areas, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Durban, and some of the largest cities across the country. And that has made quite a big difference. Rain have been obviously running out, rolling out their 5G network pretty aggressively. And again, lots of hiccups, lots of complaints along the road. But essentially, pretty much uncapped mobile internet has become a thing. It was, you know, I even said it's not going to happen, and it did. And for the most part, it's been pretty effective. You simply plunk down a router, connect, pop in a SIM, and connect to the nearest tower, and off you go. You've got pretty good, and in some cases with 5G, super fast um, broadband at moderately reasonable cost. A lot of research coming out that South Africa, once again, is slipping in the cost versus speed versus service element of broadband globally. We've slipped down the the ranks to be one of the more expensive places to get what we get. However, the the constant drop in the cost of mobile has definitely helped. But the new spectrum is critical. And I'm not going to go into that in this show, but a lot of talk has been had around what spectrum is and how it's going to be allocated and who needs access to it. The simple, simple bottom line in this whole story is that only those with massive infrastructure, capacity and ability and money, huge amounts of money, can truly take advantage of the necessary spectrum to deliver the types of services that we need. Broadband and mobile and mobile communications is a scale business. You can't simply pop up a tower somewhere, start making some money. There's just so much that goes on. And people will say, yes, monopolies and we're being taken advantage of and yes and yes and yes. But globally, that is the way it works. You cannot change it. You cannot completely upend it. You cannot force companies to spend money where they're not going to make money. And this seems to be the thread that has gone through the whole spectrum thing in in South Africa. There's a lot of talk of previously disadvantaged and democratizing the industry and opening it up to new entrants and all this type of thing. The the uh, jaded amongst us would start talking about, uh, you know, all sorts of other things. But simply put, you cannot divide up something like mobile technology into nice little chunks and give it to your mates in order for them to make a reasonable living out of it. They can't. It just does not work that way. Cell C found out that it's almost impossible and have given up the entire physical network simply because they could not afford to move with the technology. 5G means the whole network has to be redone from the core right on the control center to all the switches that switch the data around the country to the aerials and the radios that need to transmit that to your device, to the devices themselves. This is not simple stuff. You don't open a box and out pops 5G. It's an ecosystem that is interdependent, dependent, and very, very scale dependent in terms of getting the price down to the point where you and I are quite happy to pay. So the spectrum, which all radio signals are sent on, managed by a CASA, was going out for auctions, so the networks could use it and deploy the necessary networks. And guess what? They're back in court. It was announced, the new ITA was announced in December, and boom, telecom super unhappy. Vodacom have also communicated, no details on these things are out, but they've both written letters to ICASA moaning about certain things, and ICASA said, no problem, we'll have a look at it and we'll get back to you by the 7th. And boom, telecom this week, 
issued a 123-page affidavit with almost 700 pages of annexures um, to the court to try to stop the auction that was happening in March. And unfortunately, we're now back in that cycle. So it looks highly unlikely that Spectrum will be announced. And it seems highly unlikely that we will get the 5G speed. And here's where it really gets difficult for all of us, is that with these delays, the networks are not going to reduce the prices of mobile as fast as they could have or would have. I'm not saying they or should have. I wouldn't say they would have entirely, but they definitely, definitely are going to delay things. Hopefully sanity prevails. I haven't seen the terms. The ITA looked reasonable when I looked at it last year. Not an expert in that field, and we'll try to get one on the on the show in the nearish future just to discuss where this all goes. But it's it's another blow. It's another delay. It's just disappointing. And seriously, this type of stuff could have been worked out long before, and it should never have got to this point where we're in court, and that is just a slow and cumbersome and draining thing. And it costs everybody and the cat money. And staying with mobile, moving on from our drama around a New Year's drama. What's a good New Year without drama? But without our drama, BlackBerry finally is dead. Once and for all, the old BlackBerry, the one, the phone that many of us and many young people started their, their lives with, with the hottest with their BBM and the keyboard and all the rest is actually finally dead. The one defining thing of BlackBerry is that it wasn't the same as Android or iOS where it was a separate standalone operating system that worked independently. All you need is a connection to the internet and off you went. BlackBerry had a server backend. Everything went through a BlackBerry BBM or BIS server and you had to have that service running on your network in order for your BlackBerry to make, to work. And from the 4th of January 2022, the company will be decommissioning all services for BlackBerry OS 7.1, 10 software, and any of the old playbooks that are floating around. I still have two playbooks, and they're pretty decent. They work. Well, no more. They're not going to work. Data, phone calls, SMS, and emergency services functionality will be affected. So it doesn't matter if you've got a data connection. doesn't matter if you've got an active SIM and you've paid for data. The phone will become completely and utterly useless going forward. So if you know anyone who's using one, tell them it's time to move on, I'm afraid. And on that note, moving on, we've got a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with lots and lots of news. I probably don't have enough time to even talk about it from CES 2022 in Las Vegas. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and welcome to the special edition of Tech Talk. Well, it's all about CES. And I mean, there's no way you can start the year without talking about all the new TVs, all the new gizmos, gadgets and whatnot coming out of CES. And despite the fact that many of the big boys pulled out physically and went fully virtual, there were, and I watched a lot of the videos, as I said, touch of FOMO going on, the smell and the madness of Las Vegas as much as you hate it at the time and the craziness of traveling 24 to 30 hours just to get to a show aside, all of that good stuff. CES has been a defining show for for many years in my technology career and certainly uh, from the point of view of how companies plan their product rollouts for the year. 
And what CS did, it simply set the agenda for, for the next year. So 2022, all the TVs we are going to see over the next year, pretty much. Some of the new mobiles, although not mobile-focused per se, that, that crown is claimed by Mobile World Congress. Well, let's see if that goes ahead in the February again in its normal format this year. Chances are it will, but, well, we'll report back on that one down the road. But in the meanwhile, CS went ahead. Much reduced mem- a number of, uh, of exhibitors. Not huge, 2,800-odd, uh, but all the big boys, you know, Microsoft, and a couple of others all pulled out and went entirely virtual. But there were a ton of, of press there. The press day went ahead. A lot of announcements were made. And, of course, the big boys in the space, the Samsungs, the LGs, and many of the others, all were there with their latest gizmos and gadgets and whatnot. But one of the coolest things, so we'll talk about it, there are a number of major th- trends and threads that are going through CES, and they definitely clearly coming out. Never mind the gadgets and gizmos. But one of the overriding trends is the expansion of of intelligence in machines across the board. No, there are two areas in that space that reflect it more than anything. One is simply the ability to use, utilize data in business at a speed and a scale that has never existed before. And it changes so much to do with every aspect of every business and every product that you see going forward. So it doesn't matter whether you're buying a tomato, tomato, you name it, all the way up to a brand new motor car. The data that is being collected over the past couple of years and the platforms and the systems that allow us to, to interrogate, utilize, manipulate and work with that data has changed the way those products are grown, created, shaped, sold, packed, stored, and even transported. So the growth of technology around data, the use of data, the use of intelligence or machine intelligence, call it artificial intelligence, call it what you will, machine learning, you name it, but smart self-learning type algorithms, even not self-learning algorithms have fundamentally reshaped the way that you and I are interacting with pretty much everything that we do. And that trend shows absolutely no sign of abating in the next year. 2022 and beyond will definitely be the era of the smart, intelligent, data-driven machine. Now, I certainly don't see any sort of robot apocalypse coming despite all the movies and all the best minds in that space thinking of such things, I do believe that we are going to see a huge um, growth in the amount of this type of stuff coming along and changing what we do. And the two areas, as I said, that are key to this growth is intelligent automation in terms of motor vehicles, in terms of autonomous vehicles, in terms of so many things around mobility and the trends around mobility, big countries like America, vastly geographically diverse countries will probably uh, be less or will be affected later. But the drive, the endless push to a non-combustion world is just over. There's no question that electric driving is going to become the new way that we drive. 
but the impact of that on on the way cars look, the way cars drive, the way that we refuel, charge, or or, or manage our cars is hugely fundamental. The entire supply chain of everything you needed for a combustion engine will move away. Electric engines are far simpler. The moving parts are far lower. The service requirements are far simpler. And the whole matter of batteries and electric motors and all the rest just changes absolutely everything. And the connected car, along with all the the various computers that drive them, never mind the chip shortage that is delaying cars around the world right now, but essentially all of this is just coming into focus now with companies like Qualcomm. Qualcomm used to do so many little things around gaming chips. They're now becoming one of the biggest players in autonomous vehicle technology. They've acquired various um, companies that do it. They presented an incredible range of new, comprehensive, integrated systems and platforms for cars and for, for mobility that really go way beyond anything. And, of course, we all heard about Meter. Meter was something that uh, Facebook created or renamed them the, the holding company of Facebook because they believe in Web3, they believe in an AR, it's augmented reality, or a type of any form of, of augmented or, or, or virtual reality type environment using headsets, using data, using video, using information that is relevant to what you're doing using glasses, using headsets, you name it. There's even rumors that there are brand new range of headsets coming from players like Apple. And if Apple get involved in something and release something, it's about as mainstream as you get having hit a $3 trillion company in the early part of 2022. So AR and the metaverse, as they call it, is something you're going to hear a lot more as we go ahead. The metaverse is a bigger universe over and above and overlaid over the physical and actual universe. It's going to be, in my opinion, exciting, but a lot more mundane than you would imagine. But it is a logical extension. We went from using, let's say, just take a particular example. A guy came to fix your washing machine. Simple mechanical device with motors and gears and belts and spinning bits and and that's it. You put stuff in, you put some water in, you put some dish uh, detergent in, and off you went. You cleaned your clothes. That was about as technological as most people could even consider. However, those days are long gone. Every brand new washing machine has a chip. It has a fuzzy logic chip. It's got all sorts of computers and bits and pieces built in. So they break. Along comes the repair guy to come fix it. Well, he used to bring along a manual, a physical paper manual and um, wonderful stuff that was. And he would check it out and find that a part's broken. Hopefully, they break often. So he had one in the van. If he didn't, he had to go away, come back, put in the new part, and off he went. Well, that moved to the point where he didn't need, with mobile technology growing, he didn't need a manual anymore. He now had it all on his phone. So he used the phone to do what the manual's job was. Well, moving forward into the metaverse, he won't even have to worry about that. One, that the, the washing machine will actually, before he comes, tell him what's broken so he can bring the spare that he needs. And two, if he needs instruction on how to dismantle the washing machine, he'll put on his uh, AR glasses and it'll lead him step by step, telling him exactly what he needs to dismantle and 
insert the new part and 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 shut down your you know and, and repair your washing machine and extend that to everything your car you name it your computer whatever the case may be that form of augmented reality is just an extension and and, and an easy way to make more efficient than looking at a manual looking at a phone then working on a on a device but it'll be so far advanced that as you work, it'll tell you that you're not doing it right or the, the, the thing you're moving is wrong or things like that. So the efficiency of the repair should go up exponentially. And it's that analogy that we're going to see more and more and more. And that is definitely something we're seeing at CES with a lot of new gaz, gadgets and gizmos that play into this field. Now, as per usual, these gadgets start off being a little silly and a little mundane, but then you start seeing the whole picture and the whole sort of environment come together with simple platforms, simple systems, and completely mundane usable devices that you don't even think of. You drive in your car, you arrive at wherever, your, your glasses tell you what needs to be done, um, your phones connect, compute, billing gets done automatically. In some cases, it comes straight off your account if you need it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You no longer need to carry physical cards. The days of, of credit cards seems to be fading. But anyway, one of the coolest things, moving on to actual gizmos, actual gadgets, and some technology that is just super cool. One thing that has certainly hit the streets and, and is, is something that I just find amazing is that BMW cars, cars are big at CS all of a sudden. They used to be a lot less relevant. They had their own shows, but, uh, you know, technology is the great uniter of everything. Well, BMW showed off a color-changing car. So if you were planning that big heist and you wanted to get away as quickly as possible in your bright white uh, BMW, and you needed to quickly park it and suddenly become anonymous with a turning black, will you now can theoretically what bmw did they they surface coated a bmw ix using e-ink now e-ink if you've ever used a kindle is how the the words appear on your your screen they permanent so in other words as long as you give them the correct voltage the color remains the minute you take away the voltage it defaults to nothing so if you've got a white background and you put a positive charge, you get black. If you've got a black background, you put a negative charge, you get white. Well, that's exactly what BMW have done. They've coated the entire BMW iX with uh, e-ink. And in a flash, simply by changing the voltage and manipulating it, you can go from white to black either instantly or it flows. So as the car drives down the road, like science fiction, it goes from white to black. And it's starting with white and black, simply very simple right now. White is, is negative, black is positive, and the whole, the whole um, car changes color. All the panels change color from white to black, which is super cool. But think about it as they can, as the e-ink changes expand, you're going to see more and more colors coming. And seriously, you can then get into your car and match your car to your outfit for the day. Or if you're feeling racy, change it to red. If you're feeling calm, change it to gray. You name it, you just pick the color of your car. And I just think that's super, super cool. It's such an incredible use of technology. And uh, kudos to BMW for coming up with something that just is is simple, relatively, 
and cool. And you can see nothing. When the car, I've looked at the videos, when you see the car, it's white. And then all of a sudden, it starts going black. The only thing that didn't happen is the the, the charging flap, or fuel flap, if you want to call it that, stayed white. I suppose, I don't know. I have no reason why they didn't connect it up to e-ink, but maybe it was done on purpose. But simply put, very cool. Very cool thing. You get a car that goes from black to white at the flick of a switch, and it can do so in a way that, like science fiction, it just changes. The other really big thing that I want to discuss in this segment is the whole TV thing. CS has always been the TV show. There's no question that TVs have dramatically changed over the last 10 years. They started out being massively heavy tube devices. They then went to very expensive and not terribly good, to be honest. For a long time, the standard TV tube, although smaller, was a far better quality picture than the early LCD TVs, even though they started at 40, 50 inches where TVs really didn't often get to that size because they just weighed a ton. But um, that moved really rapidly to the point where LCDs became the de facto TV of choices. Sizes moved to 55 and then 65 inches. And the prices kept dropping to the point where pretty much every home could afford a 55-inch um, and above LCD TV. And the quality really moved along with lots of smart technologies like local dimming and you name it and QLED and OLED and you name, you know, all these type of technologies emerged and TVs became exceptionally good and huge, which always was driven by the latest um, announcements at CES. And for the most part, the last couple of years have been pretty stable. Samsung were pushing their, their, um, their QLED, which is a quantum dot driven LED type TV. In other words, they have a little LED, lights at the back, uh, light went through filters and went through some, some other filters and all sorts of other, you know, um, types of quantum dots and all sorts of tricks to create brightness and color and pretty effective they were as well. LG, on the other hand, went a completely different route. They went what they called is emissive LED technology, which is called OLED. So there were organic LEDs that could be printed almost on a, on a simple substrate. Each dot on the screen emitted light of its own accord. They had the systems and the platforms to manage that light. And the difference was that an OLED could be perfectly black or perfectly white in the blink of an eye and it did not bleed any color from one pixel to the next pixel. Whereas an LCD screen had enormous difficulty with a solid backlight at the back, not bleeding through the pixels as the LCD pixels shut and opened and went bright and dark. So LCD TVs always retained a poor contrast ratio and had um, an inability to, to produce massively deep or zero blacks. And contrast as anyone who knows anything about uh, uh, projection or any form of t- visible light, the absence of, of light is, and the, the contrast to the brightest whites is where the punch, the quality, and the sharpness, as well as the sort of colors came from with regard to a good quality TV. And OLED seemed to, to manage that in a way that made a lot of sense. But the positive thing of LCD and um, quantum dots where they were super bright 
Whereas OLED, on the other hand, simply because of the amount of power you could get out of a tiny micro dot, were not as bright. They were adequate for the most part, and for the most part, very, very good because you tend to watch in dimmed in the evenings, not in bright light. But they were pretty useless in bright, direct sunlight, whereas LCDs definitely took it to the next level. Well, Samsung have been doing a lot of work in that space, and they've created what they call the QD OLED. And um, we'll talk a little bit about the QD OLED and their announcement in that space. Well, they didn't actually announce one. Sony did that using their panel. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the TVs in a few minutes because can you believe 20 minutes just flew by while I was talking tech? And we have another quick break for our sponsors. And we'll be back not with a gadget of the week, but some brilliant new TVs that are coming from all the major manufacturers, including some of the budget guys with some spectacular reportedly. TVs that really move the dial forward in 2022 and may convince you that this is the year that you need to expand your TV up to a 77 inch, which is pretty spectacular in the right room. And we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Anyway, moving on to Sony's announcement of their new 2022 TV range, including the new Master Series A95K QD OLED model. Now, Samsung, who developed this technology, did not announce the QD OLED models in um, at CES this year, but they did win an innovation award for the new panel and the new TV in that space. So it's coming from them probably very soon. I have no no idea why they didn't announce it. But essentially, Samsung have been known for their their quantum dot or QD TVs and not OLED. They've been very vocal, not vocal, but they've simply not done much in this OLED space, although they have a huge history of OLED in smart devices. So they have some background, but LG have dominated the large panel OLED space since its inception, which is five, six years, seven years now, and consistently improved the quality of the panels, consistently improved the quality of their TVs, and for the most part supplied those panels to Sony, to a whole host of manufacturers globally because they were the only guys who made those panels. And interestingly, Sony were the first to launch with the new Samsung-based QD OLED model. And essentially what that means is that they have combined the benefits of OLED, which is individual light emissive type of pixels, which each pixel on the screen has its own light emitter, with quantum dots, which is a type of transmission model of the light through to the screen and to your eyes. And the benefit of the two is, one, you get the absolute million-to-one pure blacks of OLED with the massive brightness that the quantum dots by focusing the light into RGB, which is red, green, and blue, allows. And the reports, I haven't seen this for myself. I've only seen a few videos, but you can't really compare because I've seen videos on a computer screen. doesn't really help much. But the initial impressions of this new TV is that they, com- they are literally combining the perfect blacks of OLED with the unbelievable brightness and contrast of quantum dots. And... These TVs have a far greater color range, far greater brightness, and a much greater punch 
than anything that has come before it, along with obviously some of Sony's speciality um, ideas, their new processor, which does a lot towards making the picture perfect, as well as their other, their, their, they call it Contrast Pro feature, but that is just one of the, the various features that they use to make their TVs better. I've been a big fan of Sony's quality and accuracy for years, and this looks like they've taken the TV range and model to the next level. They're coming in a 65 and 55 inch. There's nothing bigger and nothing smaller for the moment, but there is a rumor that they are coming with some 77 and above inches in the QD OLED range. But that didn't stop Sony at CES. They rebuilt and revamped their, their standard A95 and A90 and A80 series with OLEDs with brand new panels that LG also announced, which are far brighter than the old ones. It's still a standard OLED panel. It's not a QD OLED and still built in the same way as the old OLED panels. But according to LG, these these panels are 30 to 40% brighter, and and definitely the contrasts are better with better color, color saturation. So possibly, I can't say until I've really seen them and heard them and played with them, which will probably come from April in South Africa. These new TVs are significantly brighter than the current OLED range, both from LG and from Sony and all the other manufacturers who use similar panels for their 2022 TV ranges, you're going to see a huge improvement in, in brightness and color accuracy. Not that the 2021 range was shabby in any way, shape, or form. The, the Sony OLED TVs are some of the best out there. The Sony um, normal LCD TVs with, with, with some very advanced backlighting has also... Um, really done very well. So the TV, the TV landscape has definitely improved dramatically over the last couple of years. And from all the manufacturers, Sony, LG, and many others, we are seeing a massive improvement over the last few years, incremental for the last few years, but it looks like 2022 is going to be a pretty dramatic and spectacular improvement in TVs that will bring the brightness of Quantum Dot, along with the um, accuracy and sharpness and brightness of, of, not brightness, and the contrast of OLED as well. And LG also announced a huge range of new C2 and G2 Gallery Edition OLED TVs. Samsung did the same thing where TVs look like pictures and there's a whole amount of artwork that you can use on your TVs, which work really well. So, I think a big jump this year, a big step forward in 4K and 8K. 8K becoming more and more uh, relevant, more and more content is coming to 8K, and people will say, who needs 8K? But in the next two years, I predict that 8K will become the sort of high-end TV of choice. It's, the Internet is allowing us to broadcast and to transmit 8K signals at, at scale without any real problem. And the difference is that 8K is not twice as good as 4K. It's four times as good as 4K. So 4 by 4 makes 8. Don't ask me, but that's how it works in, in televisions. And those TVs are exceptionally bright, exceptionally colorful. And the pictures, even if you walk right up to the screen and look at it from an inch away or a couple of centimeters away, you cannot see the dots. It's that good and that bright. They look like 
like photographs on the wall. So absolutely big step forward in TV this year. It seems that if you are looking for a new TV, the refresh rates have all gone 120 to 140 hertz. So if you want to game, these TVs are exceptionally good with the latest latest advancements in, in speed and accuracy in gaming. So the TV has become a huge, huge part of, of, of your house, especially if you're working from home, if you're gaming, if you're entertaining. And in the, the world we live in today, staying at home seems to be the sort of de facto choice for many people for, them, for now. Hopefully that changes really shortly. So on that note, I'm going to take another quick break for our sponsors. And then I'll be back just to wrap up the CES uh, announcements with some crazy little gadgets and gizmos that caught my eye that were a lot less um, <laughs> big than the TVs. And one last little bit of tech that we'll talk about straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And sorry I got carried away with all that TV news, but... It's quite a big deal. A TV is a pretty central part of everybody's sort of daily life. We all watch Netflix. We're all streaming what we're streaming. And the quality and the size of the TVs have been climbing fairly steadily over the last couple of years. And although 2018, 2019, 2020, even early 2021 showed improvements in TVs, there hasn't been anything really big hitting the streets, and it looks like the new QD OLED, as well as the mini-LED TVs, which were hinted at uh, at high cost, I must add, by Samsung and others, have definitely hit the mainstream for 2022. Expect to see those two things being spoken about quite a lot. And the quality, although pretty high-end for now, the quality of those TVs is pretty much the next level compared to anything and everything that's on the market right now. So if you're in the high-end TV market, and you're looking to replace, it's going to be an expensive year, but a good one. You're going to have a TV that I believe for the next couple of years will be right at the cutting edge. Now, moving on to some of the crazy tech that us that um, was <laughs> launched at CES. One of the big crazy things that I saw is a portable projector from Samsung. They call it the Freestyle. And what it is, it's less than a kilo with a 180-degree cradle stand. And it can project any content onto wall screens or anywhere from around about 30 to 100 inches. And it features HD resolution, which is not quite 4K like a TV, but um, it's part of the whole new Samsung smart TV platform. And it can stream Netflix and project it anywhere you like. It's going to sell in the U.S. for around about $900, which is about 14 grand, 15 grand. Not the cheapest thing on the on the market, but it's cool. It's just a cool little, clever little projector that you can take anywhere, use anywhere, built-in speakers, built-in projector, not self-powered. You need a battery or uh, plug it in and off you go. But that's just one of the sort of little crazy things that we saw. One of the other um, big announcements from Samsung, funny enough, and it's been sort of leaking out across the world and it's also available in South Africa now, is the Samsung S21 FE. Anyone who wanted an S21 at their high prices um, will be really pleased to see they've relaunched what they call the FE, the fan edition, which incorporates most, if not all, the technologies that are available in the Samsung S21 range at a reduced price. It's not quite as expensive 
and it has some really smart um, high-end technology at a slightly lower price. Dell, also not to be left out of the craziness, have rebuilt, relaunched their Dell XPS 13 range. They call it the 13 Plus. And in fact, you can't even see. They've completely changed the look and the feel of the of the laptop. They're using the latest newly announced 12th edition Intel processors. And This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. Sorry, apparently we had a little technical drop there. I'm not sure what you heard or what you didn't hear. The last thing I want to wrap up for the for the week, there's lots more to be discussed over the next couple of weeks, and that is very simply that Dell have announced a brand new XPS 13. It's one of the best-reviewed Windows laptops on the market, and they've completely revamped it. It was launched at CES. They've got rid of the headphone jack. Very very um, controversial, but they've expanded it, made it look extremely sleek, and you can't even see where the trackpad is using the latest 12th generation Intel mobile chips, which promise 40 to 50% greater battery life and performance. Kudos to Apple who released their M1 processors and pushed Intel into some brand new, exciting new processors, and that's how technology works. So brand new laptops from uh, Dell, and many others using the latest Intel announcements. And Intel are back to announcing all their latest new technology at CES and their whole new range of mobile and mobile-focused processors, which, as I said, are offering at least 40 to 50% better performance, some some discrete and very high-end video cards that are going to be built into laptops, completely designed for mobility, and a lot of the big guys in that space have offered a brand new range of those laptops that were also announced at CES. And on that note, I'm afraid we're going to have to call it quits. There's just way too much to talk about from CES. I'm going to have some key picks next week, so you can stay tuned and and pick up those. But essentially, I believe although um, although the CES show has been shortened by a day, although Corona has definitely impacted it. It really did highlight some of the greatest and latest new technology that's coming, and we're going to see a ton of it hitting the streets in the next couple of months, and all of it will be be creating opportunities for us to play better, watch better, connect better, and just generally use technology in a more comprehensive way. And on that note, till next week, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.